0: Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Retirement planning, planning for the life after
1: you are actively Employed. My guests for tonight, Joseph Amperfu is the general manager of enterprise trustees, and Simon Ivy is the chief operating officer of the Axis Pension Trust. They get to deal with people every day who are preparing for the future. People who are ensuring that in the latter days of their lives they are comfortable. Joseph and Simon, it couldn't have been a better time to have you guys in the studio. Thanks for coming.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you.
1: No, thanks. Am I scaring our listeners?
2: Um Well, you're not. I mean, you're, you're saying what the obvious should be. I'm right. Really.
1: Let me ask you, before we even settle down to the, the situation as it pertains across the world, why is retirement such a difficult subject for people? Why is it? It's almost morbid. People, when you when you mention retirement planning, people think, are you telling me I'm going to die? Why, why are you doing this to me? Why are people so scared of retirement? The, 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 the whole discussion about retirement, people would falsify their age. People would do everything to just away from the discussion about this and then the reality of it. Why is it so?
2: Well, I think it's a, it's a puzzle that we'll have to keep on finding. But um, maybe uh, one, I remember when my, my first daughter was born and um, at, at the naming ceremony for instance, one of my uncles actually said, ah, your retirement is secure. You have your daughter, beautiful daughter. She's the one who will take care of you in your retirement. I had a second born, that was Afrakuma. I had a second born, Aduma, also a girl. Same uncle. Joe, you are more than lucky. I mean, you are are perfect. Everything is going to be fine. I had a third girl, uh, Asantua. Same uncle. Look, you are very blessed. You have three daughters. Fortunate, lucky, blessed. You are definitely going to ensure that in your old age you are sorted out. But guess what? They will not be around. They will do other things. They will move away with their family. They will probably call me once a while to find out how I'm doing. Unless touchwood something happens and then they'll quickly rush down to find out how dad is doing. But the, the times have changed. It's not like what it used to be before. Right. Children cannot be your security for your retirement. Right. Children cannot be the security for your retirement. And we must change that mantra. Right. Simon, any perspective on this
3: again? Yes, just to add to what Joe just said, it's, it's probably one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about retirement that my kids. Would take care of me when I retire. Uh, Even in Ghana, our society is moving away from the phenomenon where we take care of our children and uh, we expect to grow for them to take care of us. I think the issue of fearing the subject matter is because um, we do not plan towards it. So um, I believe that what Legacy and Legacy is doing, what Springboard is doing is in the right direction to get people to start thinking about it now. And it's important that we perhaps introduce it into our curricula so that um, children from the primary school, secondary school start thinking about retirement. Because um, the truth is that if we do not die before we go on pension, we would have to live our lives after retirement. And um, if there there is no income to sustain us we will be will be will be living in old age poverty that is the truth
1: talking about old age poverty there there seems to be a cause for concern the income replacement ratio i mean the the amount of money that you are likely to earn when you retire when you go on pension um it is deemed that ideally at least 70 percent of what you are earning currently should be available to you when you when you retire but the statistics available to me say that in Ghana, at least under the official regulation scheme, which is net, you are likely to earn less than 30% of what you were earning before. If that is the reality, what is likely to be the situation for anyone who retires? I mean, any of you could take this one on. So,
3: Simon. Yes, yeah, so, l- let me share a story that uh, my uh, CEO, free, shared with me just about three four weeks ago. We pounced on... Um, the SNIS statement of uh, a retiree. This is somebody who, at the time he was working, was making about eight thousand cities a month. Now, this person retires, and immediately his um, pension is around thousand five hundred cities. What it means is that he was only replacing nineteen percent right. of his pre um, retirement income. Like you said, um, the the, the I R, which is the uh, income replacement ratio, it is one's. Retirement income as a percentage of his pre retirement income. So, for instance, if whilst you're working, you are making a thousand cities and you retire and you are only getting 20 cities, then your income replacement ratio is 20 percent. Now, globally, 200 you mean? You said 20, you mean 200? So, if whilst you're working, you are making a hundred cities, okay, 100, okay, okay, yes, and you retire you make 20 cities, then that's 20 (laughs) percent. Now, globally, um, there is a, 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 a something we call Global Retirement Index. It's, um, it's um, a data that is um, developed by two global giants um, called Natices Global Asset Management and uh, Core Data Research. What it does is that it examines the factors that drive retirement security and provides comparison tools for uh, practical application in retirement policy. It covers four thematic areas. Um, The first one is um, the material means to live comfortably at retirement and also um, access to quality financial services to help um, preserve savings and the value of savings at retirement, access to quality um, services, um, access to um, clean and safe environment. Now, guess what? In the 2016 GRI report, there was no African nation in the top twenty five performing countries. As a matter of fact, I'd be surprised if there was any African country or perhaps Ghana would be within the top performing uh, top hundred performing countries. And this because of what you just said. When the Ghanaian works and he retires he his his earning capacity reduces by 70%.
1: Right. Let me come to you, Joe. So l- let's break it down for the benefit of of any listener listening tonight. I mean, I, I like to keep it as simple as possible because of the wide array of listeners that we have. So if you are looking at somebody whose income drops to twenty percent of what it was before retirement, practically help us unpack it. In terms of the implications for accommodation, implications for quality of life, let's talk, I mean, let's have a disc- frank discussion that, that that looks at the reality. W- what is likely to happen to a person who has, within the space of a month, I mean, technically, as it were, within a, sp- a short time, find herself... Handling disposable income of twenty percent of what you previously have been used to, you've locked up your accommodation, you've locked up your quality of life, you've locked up the kind of car you drive, you've locked up the fuel consumption. What is likely to happen to you?
2: You'll die. <laughs> I mean, uh, simply put, but uh, there's there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel, and if you look at it, the kind of reforms, I mean, uh, uh, with what. Simon really talked about that's how come there's this reform in the pension sector to try and make it into a three um, three tier scheme because we realised that to depend only on the what we call the first tier just just uh, taking your pension and going to live on it was not sustainable so you realised that um, some people in the public sector still earn what we call the cap thirty. You know, and that's what used to prevail, and that was being funded solely by government from the Consolidated Fund. But then, when the Senate reforms came in, two, four, seven—I don't want to bore you too much with statistics—but really, the whole idea was to try and encourage individuals to save towards their retirement. Now, the three-tier pension scheme actually came in to try and help introduce the second and the third tiers, which probably, let's say, did not really exist. Uh, um, b- before the reforms took place. So under the old scheme, for instance, with SNIT, you had your uh, pension, which was paid. And, and when we talk, whenever we say pension, we are talking about a monthly payment that you receive when you, when you actually uh, retire from active service. Then you also received some lump sum payment. So what the reform did was to be able to move that lump sum payment to private sector and then also introduce a voluntary scheme to become a sort of backup. So, with the example that Simon mentioned, for instance, this individual would then, at a, uh, when he goes on retirement, would not just be uh, hoping just to receive that monthly pension of 1500 He would have had to have put in place a certain scheme where he would also have received a certain lump sum amount, and then also a voluntary pension scheme where you could, uh, we are hoping that in about three to five years, you can be able to have annuities on the market where people can also buy an additional. If I may put it that, uh, in another sense, another pension as well. So, really, the reforms, as far as we are concerned, we've just started it. Um, so, I would say the old folks really went through, are uh, going through some tough, some tough times. I know, Sned, for instance, uh, uh, our, our colleagues have tried to revise what the minimum pension should be for even this year. So, you realize that those were actually on on pension they've revised it by 18 percent so now the minimum is somewhere around 300 about 300 ghana cities 337 or so ghana cities and for those who are getting onto pension this year the minimum is about 276 or 278 ghana cities so that is just to cushion them but then like you said i can't rely on 300 ghana cities a month i have my electricity bill to pay i have my water bill to pay in the event that i made a I don't see a mistake, but I found a younger wife, and then I have a child. It's a case <laughs> where then I have some school fees to pay. So really, it's all about trying now to save for the future. And with the three-tier pension scheme, we believe that putting some 5.5% aside as an employee, your employer matching it up with 13%. That giving us what we call a, a mandatory contribution of about 18.5%, which should go towards your tier one and tier two, it's, it's 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 pretty much in the right direction, but the most important for us, and that we are trying to advocate for, is for people to begin to run onto the the third tier, the tier three, which is either a personal pension scheme which you can run or join a provident fund scheme at your workplace. Right. Let me. I'll, I'll come down to
1: that is the main fulcrum around which our discussion will revolve. But let me let me take us two steps backwards because. For the person listening out there you know if something has not been part of your dna you've not had it as a part of your mm-hmm. daily discussion mm-hmm. if you stumbled on this discussion from nowhere you're asking what, what are these people saying on a sunday you to come and disturb my my equilibrium the big question is this what what in all of this discussion about employment about pensions what is the situation as pertains on the ground Forget about the reality of how harsh the pension schemes are, how tough things have been over the years. What is the practice in terms of people's lifestyles? What is the practice in terms of people's awareness? Are people aware of these situations? If people are aware, why don't they act way ahead of time? What is the practice in terms of people's general behaviors or general reactions towards issues of pensions?
3: Um, the truth The truth is that a lot of people are not aware Indeed, we even found out that a lot of people are not even aware of the implications of early retirement. People do not realize that when they retire earlier than the voluntary 55 years, um, it has financial implications on them. What we tell people.
1: Help us understand. What is, what is the
3: implication? That obviously, SNATE uses a certain formula to pay people their retirement and you must have worked for a certain number of or you must have contributed for a certain number of um months uh, another current arrangement is 180 months now beyond that 180 months any additional months 15 that, years that's 15 years right. any additional month that you work you you let me put, loosely put it you earn a certain credit So if you decide to work the very minimum, that is 15 years, and you decide to uh, retire, you are forfeiting some potential um, credits that you could earn. And this is something that I think that um, all of us, Joe, your company, my company, our industry, should uh, try as much as possible to educate the Ghanaian worker. So the Ghanaian worker will not work and retire for what we try to tell people
1: still on early retirement. So before you go to the, the the other aspect of it, still on early, early retirement, you're saying that people should not voluntarily retire early. Is that
3: yep, what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. For for purposes for purposes of monthly pensions. There are other ways to compensate for the loss in monthly pension. It will for seem that, it will seem that Joe,
1: has a, Joe looks like somebody who
3: <laughs> Joe has, wants to retire early. Other plans of that course, we want of, to, of we want course. To, so let's hear from Joe.
1: I'm yes, Joe. Joe.
2: I, 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 you know, there's, there's, uh, the law says that what early retirement kicks in at 55, right. right? For certain, and maybe for maybe the mining and some very particular it probably is at 50, or, or maybe per the industry as as may they may put it. But it's always at a certain age 50, and we also retire at 60. The challenge that I want to put to the Ghanaian workers is why don't we tell ourselves that we want to retire at a certain income rather than at a certain age? Because what tends to happen is that when, if you you strive to say that we want to retire at a certain age, which is at 55, then it means that depending on how much money uh, your salary at that particular level, that is what you take home. But if you tell yourself, this is what I plan to do in my second life, which is my retirement. What does it look like? Because if I'm 25 or I'm 30, I should be asking myself, what do I want to do after I've been doing this active job that I have at the moment? So probably if I'm an accountant or even if I'm an actuary or, or I, I work in, in a particular firm, do I want to do that till I hit, till I hit the buckets or, or till I, 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 I hit a particular age and like I can no longer work? I should be able to tell myself, I probably want to be a farmer in the next 15 years. What does it take to become a farmer? Does it mean that I relocate? If I relocate, well, if we, if we begin to plan, then we can be able to make that transition. But back to your v- initial question, what tends to happen is that things just crumble around us and it just gets to us age young man, you're 55 or you're 60. Today's your retirement. You're supposed to be next year. And then all of a sudden it's like, I don't have a home. I'm still living in a rented premises. What are they going to say? I'm I'm going to be an elder in the village, you know, and I'll be going for funerals every single time. Yes, I've, I've been giving this my lump sum in the very first years. I'm okay. And then later on, they call you for a church harvest and you can't go because you no longer have those resources. So from the very beginning, you must tell us, we must tell ourselves, we must change the mantra to be, what do I want to be going down into the future?
1: Simon, let me come back to you. Thank you, Joe. Let me come back to you, Simon, and let's let's start with uh, the person listening. I always say, listen, the most important issue in all this is for the person, in, the person listening tonight, tonight, and saying, wow, this should have been... I should have heard this 10 years ago. The person is listening, at what age must this whole retirement discussion begin? At what stage in your career? At what age? And, and, and then w- what are the first steps...
3: On the journey. Planning towards retirement starts at the very first day at work. When you receive
1: 20, your... 23-year-old, 25-year-old. Exactly. so If you
3: start working at 19, that is when it ought to start. Why? The other time I was listening to Reverend Otabel, and he said that his one of his biggest regrets was not starting savings early enough. And I believe that it's my personal regret too. And the regret of many people that I know, um, when you start working, the very first day you start working is the day you start thinking about retirement. What you do, what we tell people to do, is to plan from the very beginning. How do you plan? Step one, you need to set your retirement goals. And by this, I mean what kind of retirement do you want to have? Do you want to just work, retire, and live at home? Do you want to work, retire, and travel around the world? Do you just want to save enough money to pay your medical bills when you retire? Do you intend to leave any inheritance to your children? Now, when you have set your retirement goals and you know what to do, then you need to take your financial inventory. That's what we tell people: financial inventory.
1: Let's 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 hover around the the goals. It caught my attention quite a bit. So, for the person in, the person listening out there, Joe, let's say, for a person listening, you mentioned farming. So, if the person says, listen, I want to do a uh, 50-acre farm with, with, with cereals or with legumes or, so I, I mean, I'm planning to go into animal husbandry when I retire. It's just my dream to go. So, that could be a retirement goal? Yes. Right. Okay. you talk about traveling around the world Comfort would like that?
3: Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, so what you do is you plan towards that. But how do you achieve that? You achieve that by taking the second step.
1: No, but the fact even for the first step, mm-hmm. I, I presume that you, you must estimate what it would cost
3: absolutely to lead that kind of Absolutely. Life. So so
1: It's a nice dream, but no costing, no estimate, no assessment. So it remains a dream till they die.
3: So the first step only defines what you want to do. Right. The second step actually helps you get closer to uh, attaining that. That's where you take your financial inventory. By this, I mean you must identify what your assets are. Which assets are you expecting to derive the funding for this wonderful retirement dream that you have? Here you you must list pretty much everything that you consider an asset. Your cash, your investment, your mortgages. And by assets, I mean... When I say inventory, I mean your asset and liability. So if you have rent, it's your li- your liability. If you have mortgage, um, it's your liability. Um, if you have properties, it's your asset. So you must list pretty much all your assets and your liabilities. What
2: Not if you have that nice
3: uh, VW Golf or BMW 3 Series? So we will take we we'll take that we will take care of that at the next step where you evaluate your financial situation. I mean, there may be expenditure that don't no need. If you have a vehicle that is unneeded, if you are married and you are keeping a mistress, and you are spending some amount of money on them, you realize that they may they may impede your attainment of your retirement goals.
1: Some of you have joined us on Facebook with some comments. Let me remind you, you can actually watch this broadcast live on Facebook by just clicking on the Legacy Legacy Facebook page or click on my Facebook page or campus Facebook page and let's have this discussion. Let's 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 keep it going. So now does it one of our listeners says, why retire? I absolutely do not believe in that thing. I have no data to back it up, but anecdotally and I'll, anecdotally, why what I've noticed can be expressed by the <coughs> mantra retire and die. Listen, there are people, Joe, who who say they will never retire till they drop. What do you have to say to people like this?
2: I, I, I fully subscribe to exactly what you're saying. The point is that for them, and to give an example, for instance, you could have someone who sets up a bakery. So the person is baking bread to sell. I mean, the person is, what, 25 or even 30, for instance, and they're making money. And this is their career. This is what do they intend to do. question is, what does retirement mean to such a person? Even I also take a, uh, uh, to move from, a, uh, let's say, such an informal sector, I'll go to a very formal sector like a lawyer. Someone practices to be a lawyer. Do lawyers retire? question is that it, there will come a time when you will not be as active as you intended to be able to earn the income that you need to be able to survive. So, yes, I, I, I own a bakery, and therefore I'm running it, and I hope that my children or someone will come and run it for me when I can no longer wake up in the morning to move over to where the shop is to go and check out whether how hot the, the, the oven is and stuff like that. It is at that period where we ask ourselves that you are not as active as you used to be, so how would you ensure that you can be able to sustain your life at that particular point?
1: For a person like Nenade yeah. Dancer who just sent us this, this yeah. message yeah. Um, from the United States, so... A person is a medical doctor, but he also is a writer. He also is a photographer. So those are the people who would argue that when I retire from my mainstream job, yeah. I have hobbies that I've commercialized, I have interests that I'm pursuing. So as for retirement, I will not retire because if I retire, I will die. What do you have to say to that?
3: I mean, for people like Nananga, I, I have a very um, short answer for them. When we, say when we say retirement, what we mean is that at that time, we transition from living on regular salaries to living on savings. That's all. At retirement, it doesn't mean that you don't do anything. You could be working till you are 90. And we know people who are still working. But the truth is that many of these people work and they do not depend on salaries. So that's what ought to be understood.
2: Right. Yeah. you, you could. You, I mean, so, uh, yes. case okay, someone could easily decide that, well, upon leaving my formal work, I I decide to go into church to do societal uh, or community work, for instance. You know. So the mere fact that a person is active, we are we are just talking the fact that you have moved from your formal engagement right. that it used to be. Into you've trans. You have moved from one station to another. But the question is that how did you plan that movement? And that's what I think we are trying to.
1: Right. So let me ask you another another dimension of this. Can the retirement planning process involve beginning to identify and commercialize talents or abilities that you have that you could use during your retirement but which will not place a lot of demand on your physical strength?
3: Fantastic. You've that that you've, is true. That
2: you've, you've, is true. And and that is you, you see, and, and that's when you take you're able to do this because you take a step back from your normal routine and ask my and you're asking yourself this very important question: What do I want to be in the future? So, what talent am I holding? So, probably you ask yourself what the talents you've been given by God. Clearly, how do you how do you intend to be able to put some uh, uh, some use to it? We have people currently right now in our society who have been able to transcend. And maybe one, one, one classic example, for instance, is, is, is Joyce Ayi, for instance, you know who used to be with the Chamber of Mines. She retired, but today you can find her in most areas helping the community. And there's a sort of dedication. But I can tell you that I'm sure she might have put in some financial interventions to ensure that she can sustain that. And those are very important. There are times when... And let, let us not also forget that when you transcend from your active service you have real life obligations you would definitely have health care issues how are you going to fund that health care if you also have not immersed yourself with any um, um uh, let's say societal grouping how are you going to be able to do that there are some people uh, I'm, I'm an avid golfer for instance and I see to what extent some old folks actually dedicate themselves to it because that is their calling. That's what they find themselves, and that is what keeps them together as a unit. So, are you in? And in a, in, when when the young people go to church these days, are they in any of the societies? Do people just get to church and just leave without joining the men's group, women's group? All these things are part of helping you when you are in retirement because. It is that uh, uh, social grouping that can help you in those times. And it's important that we we recognize those ideas as well. Commonly made mistakes. Before we wrap this
1: one up and open the phone lines, Joe, what are some of the most basic errors that people make that are literally... Very, very harmful, but at the time of making them, people don't even realize they are making a mistake when it comes to retirement planning and everything about it. What are some of the most commonly made mistakes? Help us unpack that. I mean,
2: maybe from the angle at which I work at the moment and from the day-to-day that we see. So I'm in the private sector. I'm corporate trustee, so I handle tier two and tier three. So we've signed up people who have um, their tier two pensions with us and also have a tier three pension as in a provident fund. What some people actually don't do is they don't give us what we call beneficiaries. So don't give us any contact information on who beneficiaries are. But you and I, I mean, we are 25, we are 30, 35, we are 40. We don't know when we'll knock off. Now, part of your retirement plan is to ensure that you've put your house in order. So most people, for instance, have their tier two pensions, but they don't haven't named any of their beneficiaries. So what
1: happens when they die?
2: What the law actually says is, well, in the event that you pass on, we as the uh, trustees would have to deal with the, the uh, letters of administration. so now I have a typical case where there's a young guy who's passed on, he's left the family behind. he did not name the beneficiary and unfortunately, if we look at how much is sitting in the pot, the the family now have to go to the court to be able to get the letters of, of administration. The financial cost of going of doing that is far more. Than what sits in the in the fund to be paid out to the family, so the question then is: You've left the family in a fix by simply having to name and say, "Well, I'm leaving my uh, amount, my uh, fund that I've I've gathered so far for uh, uh, A, for B, for C in certain percentages. And, 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 people, and you can
1: change it as you go along. People
2: make you? the mistake of thinking that once I've given information to SNET in terms of my beneficiary, is the same information that probably will be used for your tattoo. It is not the same. Right. You would have to name that. Right. And then also, you also government has given us a, has given everybody a sixty and a half percent tax liability in terms of a, a tax holiday in terms of your tier three. If your company is not doing a provident fund, why don't you, as an individual who is working, take up a personal pension policy and say, I want to be able to save sixty and a half percent that government is giving us as a tax holiday. I don't want to give it back to government. So yes, a case where I would be able to sign up on a personal pension, even if my company has a provident fund, 10%, and I am paying six and a half percent, and we've made up the full tax holiday, I still need to save more. I can still open up a, another personal pension account. The other mistake that we make, and I want to, and, and this is quite categorical with, with with employees who move from one company to the other, especially when they have provident funds. So one gentleman is moving for a lady is moving from let's say bank a as they're leaving bank a they already have taken a loan with that particular bank and and that particular loan has been collateralized against their provenance fund so what they tend to do is oh i can use my pf to be able to pay what you are saying is that your savings that you have made over the past five to six years or probably about 10 years you are washing that all away and going to start from zero at your next entity. Why don't you look for another financing mechanism to be able to pay off the loan such that the issue of compound interest which you have earned, and the, and the beauty about compound interest is it's another magic that people don't know about. But the mere fact that you don't touch your savings and let it grow, a loan builds up as you go along. So the common mistake most people make is once they're leaving one employer to the other, they quickly use their profit fund to be able to pay off with your existing uh, employer and then move on. Look for another mechanism within which to pay off your existing employer in terms of your liability and save on your retirement. If you don't find anything, that's when the employer is obliged to be able to use it because you've... So the common mistake for people who are in the formal sector is, please, protect your provident funds. These are part of your retirement savings. Other than that, if you change, let's say, over your working career, you've changed about three jobs. It means by the time you are retiring, the amounts that you have sitting in your pot. In terms of a provident fund balance, is virtually zero. Right, Simon, take us over this particular issue of, of, of commonly made
1: mistakes. I'll
3: give I'll give um, three examples. Two right. of them are things that we've already uh, mentioned. That so I'll quickly recap. Um, one of the commonest mistakes is people who say that my children will take off me when I'm, at when I retire. That we have clearly indicated it's not sustainable. There is also the misconception that um, the monthly state pension will be adequate. We just spoke about the in, um, income replacement ratio, and um, we have all agreed here that it is woefully <coughs> inadequate. But the gravest of them all is committed by professionals and entrepreneurs and self-employed. You know, people like lawyers, doctors, architects, accountants, and what have you. And these are the people who say that my work, my business will take care of me when I retire. They sometimes even wait for that big transaction to start planning toward retirement. These are the people who are the grievous danger of retiring poor. Like Joe said, the time value of money. Planning towards retirement must be deliberate. And there must be a certain consistency in how you save month or month or quarterly or yearly. You can't just let it happen by chance.
1: Right. Let me let me go over to, to Facebook. I think I'll not be able to do the phone lines because there are quite a number of questions that are coming in from Facebook. Daniel is back. He says, As parents, we need to inculcate the habit of savings and pension planning in our kids early enough. Our regrets for not starting early enough should urge us to ensure that our kids don't make the same mistakes. It's all about the culture, the kind yeah. of upbringing that we give or pass on from generation to generation. Let me go over to Kwejo Ado. Kwejo says, I think it would be a good idea if the trustees call up their clients to regularize the process by naming their beneficiaries so this is about those who yeah. have policies with you who may not have may have forgotten to name their beneficiaries he, he's, he's saying that you you take the initiative and call them up to regularize their their, their
2: policies well it's I'm, I'm, uh, it, it's a two-way approach right and part of why we are raising is that we also believe that people must must also um take it as an opportunity to regularize their affairs so I believe that in in uh, other service providers have put in interventions where people get some updates to be able to update their beneficiaries as often as as they can and right. there's a system in place where people do that so all I'm saying is that I'm raising the issue and all of us need to be able to be aware of our status and what what is that we are carrying so it's 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 uh, it's it's a uh, trustee affair and also the member affair as well but listening to you simon the the
1: warning signs the red flags that you raised joe talked about um having no beneficiaries he talked about um Failing to take advantage of setting up your own personal pension plan, and then also about mortgaging your PF just to service a loan that you have taken. You talked about three levels of overdependence, and I'm going to highlight them again, and then come back to you to sum up for us as we close this program. The first one is overdependence on your children. You are saying it's a no-no. Second one is overdependence on Smith, and the statistics show us that that could be. Um, voting for a a significantly lower quality of life
3: than you are used to now. But the third
1: one you are raising is what you call the most dangerous one and I I can really relate to that especially because of how our society is set up. And you are saying that self-employed professionals are at the greatest risk because at this point they look at the lives and they see the money coming in and they think that they will be fine, and they receive Exactly. And, and and they don't plan for their pensions and even when they do they say they're waiting for that one big break mm-hmm. so they put a huge lump sum aside you're saying that they should make it something systematic regular and consistent deliberate deliberate right let's let's end this Joe closing thoughts
2: well um, retirement planning is is, is 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 a whole range First of all, you've got to take a look at what do I have any insurance adequacy? so is my house covered? do I, are those payments running in when you also hit the ground in terms of uh, um, you are dead and gone? Do I have a funeral plan also in place because that's also very, very important. Some people always believe that well, doing a pure investment is different from any other retirement planning, but it's just part of the mix, so ensure that you do have some investments there. Some people also say, well, you must own a property and that should give you a rental income. But even if you do have the rental income, you need insurance to be able to cover that property as well. So it's a whole mix. But at the end of the day, we feel that from where we stand, the three-tier pension scheme that is coming, for me, individuals must take advantage of it. And it's not just for the formal sector. For the informal sector as well, that's one area that I know that the, the regulator is very interested in, in making sure that players actually go in there. So to everyone, Exhaust that 60.5% tax holiday. Exhaust it. If you've exhausted it, still go on further to set up your own personal pension scheme. Because I think that by doing that, here's a case where you'll be able to at least give yourself some financial independence. And remember, it is not at the age at which you retire. Give yourself a setting value and say, I want to retire at this income. And it's find quality of life exactly, right? And and, def- and and be able to to be able to fund it. So you
1: think that the, the onus lies definitely on the individual, not on the state, not on the employer. The individual must take responsibility.
2: I mean, honestly, if if you take a look at the growth of pension funds, and if you go to East Africa and all those, and even the very developed systems as well, pension funds have grown the economy. I mean, I <coughs> um, I know that Minister for Finance, for instance, had indicated in their budget the fact that they are eyeing pensions to be able to. Uh, pension funds to be able to solve some of the infrastructure developments and, and that's the key to go because these are long term funds so we, that's another conversation that I believe that we would have going down the line but Thank individuals you. definitely look to having a certain retirement plan and you can call anyone to be able to assist. Right.
1: Call somebody to help you. Simon. Right. Year, so so uh,
3: having set your retirement goals, having taken inventory of your financial position, then you evaluate your financial situation then the next step is the most important you must set your retirement plan in motion this is where you look at your snate your tier two tier three you look at the personal pension and every other fund that you have you must start planning now now um the time to start like i said is now the planning towards retirement must not be left to chance it must be deliberate it must be consistent and one thing would surely happen if you fail to plan towards retirement, you're almost guaranteeing old age poverty.
1: Thank you very much. It's been a very helpful discussion with Simon Naivi of, of Access Pension Trust and Joanne Pofu of Enterprise Trustees. What have they done? Help us understand the nuances of retirement planning, the commonly made mistakes, the fears that we have. Some, sometimes when you talk about retirement planning, you talk about writing a will or you talk about about anything that involves old age and, and, and the latter part of our lives it's, it, 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 people almost feel as if they would die <laughs> when you talk about buying a funeral policy for a loved one and so on but these are useful lessons that we can
0: can help us have a better quality of life Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Arbet N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus two three three two four nine 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 zero zero zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com,